and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. I'd like us to, I know we were worshiping for a while, but I'd like us to be able to stand at this time, join together. And, and I, I feel like it's not just a prayer for our nation, but like in, in the words of what Mitch was doing in the decree and in the de- declaration, I, I think a lot of times when Christians pray, they do so out of fear, and there's some kind of a fear attached to the prayer. And we have to understand that who we carry inside of us is not afraid of any situation or any circumstance. Father, we come together right now for our nation. We just know that you are good, that you have good thoughts for our nation, and that you have you you love our nation. You love the freedom that we represent in this world. One of the few nations left that are free. And we ask, Father, that you would break through all the deception and all the lies and all the attempts to change our country for the worse. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You can be seated. But I just feel like there's, there's a place where we need to be informed with truth and we need to be informed with what's really going on. And we need to be um, the truth carriers of this world. I talked last week about sons of God and, and walking as the sons of God. If you missed that message, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast um, or watch it on the live feed of Facebook and uh, do so. I'm, I'm not, it's, this is not a part two in any way, shape, or form, but these, this ties together really beautifully with last week's message as far as the sons of God. And um, I just want to be able to talk a little bit about the importance of us carrying uh, the kingdom reality inside of our heart. So last week I shared about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. I talked about the uh, meanings that Jesus taught. Many of his parables were concerning the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And there's an importance on our part to secure the kingdom with, so deep within our heart that it vibrates through us every second and minute of the day. I don't know about you, but this has been a message ever since I've been a Christian, ever since I rededicated my life back in 1978. It was the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the kingdom? What does the kingdom of God mean? What does the kingdom of heaven mean? When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, what does he mean? And I've always wanted to get down in there. So that's been a 40 years journey for me to be able to uh, get in and look at the Greek and look at the Hebrew and be able to uh, dissect a lot of the meaning that's there. And I, I just want to be able to say that that as people, we don't shape Jesus' reality and we don't shape the kingdom reality, but we are shaped by Jesus' reality and we are shaped by the kingdom reality. And so our thoughts need to line up with his thoughts. You know the old covenant scripture that says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That doesn't mean our thoughts can't line up with his thoughts. It means that his thoughts are at a place where we get to ascribe to. We get to search out the mysteries. We get to uncover the, the mysteries that, that exist 
within the heart and the thoughts of God. It's not like, it's not, if you understand this, I've, I've heard so many messages preached around this, you know, like, our thoughts will never measure up to his thoughts. And that's not what he was saying. He was saying his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, which means that we get to climb up to his thoughts. It's when John was in the spirit on, in the first book of Revelation and he hears a voice, or chapter 4, he hears a voice say, come up here, and he looks and he sees a door standing open in heaven. It wasn't like God was saying, I don't want you to see this because these are my thoughts and you're just the low scum of the earth, so stay low because you'll never measure up to me. It was Jesus inviting him into the thoughts of the kingdom of heaven. It was Jesus inviting him in to see what was to come. It was Jesus inviting him into the very heart and the very thought of God. And I believe that religion has squelched this, and even in Christianity, that there's so many Christians that are just... There's so many preachers that preach will never level, will never measure up to God. I don't know about you, but a good part of my Christian life, I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time because I was such a sinner. You know, and we used to, as a kid, we used to sing hymns, hymns about how we're, you know, crawling on the dust of the earth and, and we're just like the scum of the earth, so to speak. You know, we're just such low people. And, you know, if we're fortunate enough, maybe we'll get it into heaven by the skin of our teeth. I actually heard so many Christians say that. I just hope I make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. And it's like, what are you saying? What in God's name? What has gotten into our thoughts to grab this in our minds? And I, I feel like that we need to understand that our thoughts, don't, our thoughts do not shape the condition of the kingdom. The kingdom shapes the condition of our thoughts. And when you start seeing that we get to live out the kingdom, our vision of this church is to live as a people, not to die as a people, but to live as a people. To live as a people who bring the will of God and the power of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the vision statement of our church. We've been on that for years to be able to say we, we're going to position ourselves to live and walk out the kingdom realities. And in order to do that, we, we don't just get this on Sunday morning. We get this every day of the week. I mean, I go to sleep knowing that when I go to sleep, I'm still in the kingdom. I don't check out. I'm still a a citizen of heaven. I don't check out of heaven when I go to sleep. As a matter of fact, I think I check a lot into heaven. And it's been interesting the the last week, I feel like a lot of my dream life has been conflict and fighting. Very interesting because I, I usually sleep very peaceful. I, I, I have my, my mom said I would come in from playing and ask for a nap. What kid actually does that? But that's how I, I've done. I, I you know, found it very hard when I was in the military and had 24-hour guard duty. Found it very hard staying awake for 24 hours, doing absolutely nothing but holding an M16 in my arm and watching something that nobody's even going to want to attempt to come near just to fulfill the duty. I've slept really well, but this last week has been very restless sleep. There's been, uh, there's been conflict in my dreams and conflict in my sleep where um, I, I won't go into a lot of the details of my dreams because then I'll have all the prophetic people interpreting my dreams, and that's not why I'm saying this. I'm just simply saying there has been conflict in my sleep at night. I'm saying that because I feel like some of you who have lived in the kingdom have been experiencing some of that in the last week as well. And I just want to let you know that the fight, that, the fight of faith that we, we fight is a good fight. It is a fight worth fighting. 
And I also want to let you know that there, there, are, um, there are thoughts that we need to take care of in our own heart. We need to, you know, like, like the Proverbs says, guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life. And that heart indicates the thought lives that we do. And the heart of the kingdom is within us because Christ lives in us and he is a hope of glory. And because he lives in us as a hope of glory, then we get to guard our thoughts and we need to let... We need to let our thoughts play out the way the kingdom wants to play out. And I have uh, some scriptures that I want to share with you today that line up with that. But I, I want to, I, I started this whole talk out with saying that I got in a conversation with someone about the sovereign will of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever talked to a cessationist, but they're very interesting people. They um, just believe that after the disciples died, all the miracles vanished, that God no longer operates in healing. He no longer operates in the gifts that, um, you know, the gift of faith is dead. The gift of healing is dead. They all died, you know. So I got in this conversation with the guy in line. I, I kicked myself as soon as I started because I knew it was going to be a long conversation, but I just, I felt like I was going to do it right. I wasn't going to, you know, blanket the guy with, with uh, statements, but blanket him with questions. So I began to ask him questions, and I, as I began to ask him questions, I could see him spinning himself into a web of his own, own uh, device, and as he did, I, I felt like it's, it's so strange how um, religion can, can actually corrupt, it can corrupt people's thoughts, and they can think wrong about God and who he is. It can get them to limit God, and it can get them to think that he's, he's uh, you know, that he's just no longer involved with us in, in our lives, that we just need to get through this earth's experience as best as we can so we can get to heaven. And then we become these, you know, the uh, supernatural ranger fighters and these uh, supernatural miracle workers when we're in heaven, but not on this side of the earth. And um, I, I feel like there's just this, it, 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 what religion does with this thing is they call it the sovereignty of God. And they call it the sovereignty of God because they basically have, Experience, and this is where my questions led him to. You know, when I asked him, "What? Why do you think? Um, you know, why do you think the gift of faith is no longer uh, current today?" That was a statement that he made. So I asked him, "Why do you think the gift of faith is no longer current today?" This is what he told me. He said, "Well, if it was current, then all the hospitals would be empty. There'd be nobody left in the hospitals." And he said, "Now God is able to heal." This is what he said: "God is able to heal if He wants to. If it's His will, He's able to heal." But we, we don't know what his will is. And at that point in time, I realized I was on a dead-end journey that we, you know, I prayed for the guy and pretty much left off on the conversation with my last question and, um, and didn't gather back into the conversation. And I, I feel like there's this, this is, there's this religious mindset that makes us feel like certain conditions must be met for us to walk in supernatural power. Certain conditions have to be met for God to hear our prayers, for God to answer us, for God to um, you know, show up and be who he really is. We, we have to make these certain conditions happen in our lives somehow. And Man, that's such a far cry from the kingdom reality. And you never once see it in Jesus' life and his example. You, you never once hear Jesus say, 
Well, let's, I, I'm going to pray for you. You know, you can just picture him telling a leper, huh, Fran? He goes up to the leper and says, well, I'm going to pray for you, and hopefully it's God's will that you get healed. Never once picture doing that. And yet somehow we have arrived like that through a religious mindset, a traditional mindset that basically has, has said because God doesn't always heal, because the hospitals aren't empty, because people are still sick all around us, there's still death all around us, and because of that, it must not be God's sovereign will to heal all people. And I just have to say, baloney, malarkey, kick it, kick it in the rear end, make sure it doesn't get anywhere near your thoughts, because it wasn't in Jesus' thoughts, that's for sure. And he taught his disciples to do greater things than he did. So if, it's gonna, if something is going to be in our hearts, the sovereignty of God to heal people, it's not it. We have to understand that Jesus displayed the perfect will of God. He displayed the perfect heart of God towards humanity and the relationship that God has with humanity. Jesus Christ displayed that to the fullest. It wasn't a partial picture. It was a full picture. And it wasn't a picture just to him to say, well, here I am, I'm the Son of God, and here's the proof, I'm going to heal people. That was not only his reason for showing up on the face of the earth. His reason was to display that God is good, that God loves people, that humanity needs God, and that God is going to answer the cry for thousands of years that we need some answers more than the law. We need the Messiah. We need someone to come in and take our place and cancel out the original sin in our lives so that we can live as kingdom people. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And let me tell you, it's, it's almost like you follow some of this, the sovereignty of God thing. It's almost like you picture God rolling a dice up in heaven. You know, it, it's like, um, okay, well, I see Sally needs a miracle right now. Oh, too bad for Sally. She got an 11, not a, a 7. And it's like, no, he is good all the time. It's his perfect will to heal. And I think what we need to do is we need to make sure that our thoughts are not entertaining things to line up with a negative experience in the, in the realm of healing or in the realm of um, the miraculous. Jesus was not confused about God's will. Didn't. He just didn't display any confusion about that at all. In fact, there's only one instance where Jesus actually questioned the will of God, and it was in the Garden of Sodomy, and he was in great distress in prayer. How many of you have ever been in great distress in prayer? Anybody? Some of you never have. I have. I've been in distress in prayer many times, and a lot of times after those prayer sessions, I feel rather embarrassed of the things that I brought up. Because when we're in pain, when we're in turmoil, when we're in distress, our perception is often wrong. And so Jesus, he makes his statement to the Father in a deep, distressed state of prayer. And he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And then immediately he answers his own question. But not, not my will, but yours be done. And I just feel like there's this, this need here to be able to understand the will of God. That the will of God is in Jesus, and Jesus displays the will of God. And that the will of God is always good. And that the will of God always has good in mind. Matthew chapter 9 says this. Um, There's just this... (laughs) Okay, I'll go ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself. While he was teaching them, Matthew 9, 18. While he was teaching them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter just died. It's like when I walked into the cafe this morning... I felt like someone had died out there. It smelled so bad. 
Hopefully some of the smell's gone, but when I first walked in, I just went, whoa, this is really bad. I did not know it was a refrigerator till later. I was glad it was just the refrigerator. My daughter, why did I say that? I don't know. My daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus rose and followed him, and so so did his disciples. This is a powerful petition. My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. He's a ruler. Uh, Jesus is a rabbi. Obviously, they've heard about the miracles, but this is actually the first recorded resurrection in the gospel. First recorded resurrection from the dead. And so what ends up happening is uh, Jesus is on his way to go to this daughter, and as he's on his way, suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if I... If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. So they're mourning for his dead daughter. And he he said to them, Jesus said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they mocked him. They ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put aside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went out into all that land. Now, this is such an incredible testimony, and, and if you continue reading in this chapter and into the next, you see multiple other miracles that Jesus performs of healing. There's a blind man that gets healed. There's a demonic boy that uh, has a demon cast out of him. There's multiple other miracles that fall in this series. But I, I love this because... This portrays a perfect example of how the sons of God are to walk on the face of this earth. The sons of God are to walk with the thought that they always carry in their hearts. So Jesus is on his way to he's on his way to raise someone from the dead, to raise this girl from the dead, and as he's on his way to one impossibility, another impossibility presents itself, and that impossibility exists within the woman that had the issue of blood. And this is what she is facing. She is facing a whole list of impossibilities. She has been to every doctor. She's had every sort of medical uh, uh, technique used to, to clear up her issue with blood. And this is what she does. She sees, Jesus, she sees Jesus walking, and she has this thought, if I can just, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. That, to me, spells a conviction within this woman. She has a strong conviction within her of the relationship that God has with humanity. She's got this conviction in her that is so strong that she knows that God has a good relationship with humanity. And she does not limit herself. By the way, she was considered unclean by the law. Not just to touch a rabbi, to be, but to actually be out in public. She was not allowed to touch people while she was bleeding. They had this issue of blood. And so she's got this issue of blood. She's unclean. They, they labeled her by the law. She was basically breaking the law to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. So she thought she could do it and sneak a little, a, a little grab in. Good for her, huh? Yeah. 
So this is the thought she's carrying in her mind. I know that God is good. I know that he loves us people. And I know he doesn't want me suffering. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And that's the thought that we need to carry with us concerning God and the miraculous. It's this conviction, this God conviction that's in us. And it's a God conviction that is not just there when the event takes place. It's a God conviction that lives in us, that we feed, that we water. You know, it's like the scripture says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the water. All right, so that's what it is. It's like we're thirsty for this God conviction to come alive on the face of this earth. We're thirsty for heaven to come to earth. We're thirsty for the kingdom of heaven to to make itself known upon the earth. We are hungry and thirsty for the power of God. Mike, our, our worship leader, was leading this morning. This is a move of God. This is a move of God because we are the move of God. This is, this is who we are. We carry within us a God conviction that He's good, that He loves humanity, that He's not ticked off waiting to judge us. He hasn't left the face, the scene. He hasn't departed from the earth to just say, well, they've screwed up things all You know, they've made up such a mess, they might as well get themselves out of it. That's not our father. He's a good father who wants to interact with humanity. He wants his name to be known. He wants his presence to be felt. He wants people to understand their identity of who they really are in the kingdom. And for that to take place, believers need to have this solid conviction of God's relationship with humanity, that it's good, that it's It has a purpose to it that he doesn't like seeing suffering. He doesn't want people suffering. He doesn't like death. He's the God of life, not the God of death. He's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He is alive in us. And his character is alive in us. And that's what Jesus walked with. You notice that Jesus is going along as the woman touches him. He doesn't. He doesn't know the woman is going to touch him until he actually feels the touch of the hem of her garment. And it's not the hem of the garment that he's feeling. He's responding to her faith, her faith, her thought that she says, if I can just touch, if I can just touch, if I can just touch. And what she's doing is she's saying, if I draw near, I know he'll draw near to me. And it's that God conviction. It's knowing that it's in her. The reality is there. Her experience has been has been at every point in turn for the for as many years as she had this this condition at every point in turn her experience was not to be healed was not to have any hope she had been told there's no more hope the doctors had done all they could do for her her experience was one of hopelessness until Jesus passed by and when Jesus passed by whoa She responded to who he is. And this God conviction took hold of her. Jesus stops all of a sudden. The crowds are around him, pressing all around him. You know the story. He stops and he turns, who just touched me? And the disciples say, well, you know, everybody's touching you. They're like, they're shoulder to shoulder people. They're not even wearing their mask. And yet here they are, shoulder to shoulder. And Jesus said, no, someone just touched me for I felt virtue leave my being. Jesus looks at her and the woman says, it was I, I touched you. And Jesus looks at her and says, go your way. Your faith has healed you. Powerful words that Jesus said. Let me just preface that by just saying not 
not everyone gets healed by their own faith. There are people that didn't believe. There's there are people that you know came. God, if, you know Jesus, if it be your will to heal my son, he will be healed. You know, and there are people that have that opinion. But when the sons of God get this God conviction of God's reaction within humanity that it's to heal every time, that it's to raise the dead every time, that it's to cast out demons every time, that it is something that every time God wants done because every time He displayed that through Jesus. We need to guard our thoughts to the kingdom reality that's within us. And I'm telling you, this earth wants to eradicate those thoughts from believers. The, 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 living here on this earth, everything is fighting to eradicate those kind of thoughts from believers. So it, it might sound crazy to everybody else. It might sound like it's way out there in the ozone layer, you know. But it's like, no, 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 no. This is heaven's reality within us. This is heaven's gift to us, is that we get to walk like Jesus on this earth. As he was on this earth, so are we, as John says. And we get to walk that out. I love it when Jesus shows up at the ruler's house. He's met with a whole bunch of craziness. You know, they're mourning. They've got the whole traditional thing. The culture was to mourn. And they're, they're already in place. The death has already happened. The girl is already gone. These people are in place. The funeral is going to be taking place. All the arrangements are being made. Everything is going right on the line with death. And Jesus shows up. And what's he say? She's just asleep. I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means in the Greek? Sleep. She's just asleep. No, people don't want to be wrong. They want to be right about things. When Jesus says she's asleep, they, get, they laugh at him. They mock him. That word laugh is actually ridiculed. They mocked him. They actually mocked him. And I'm telling you, there are mockers all around today. And there are going to be mockers probably to the end of the day's and I'm just saying that we, in spite of all the mockery, in spite of all the jesting, in spite, in spite of the fact that people think we've lost our marbles and we belong in the insane asylum, that we somehow need to be reconditioned to think straight. We need to stand fast in the pursuit of the kingdom. For it's the kingdom that turns impossibilities into possibilities. It's the kingdom within in us. Jesus goes from one impossibility, he's walking to one impossibility to make it possible. As he's going, another impossibility is made possible, and it's pretty much how he lived his entire life. He lived his entire life making the things that others thought were impossible possible. And I think that's a good model for us to follow. Jesus comes, takes her hand, raises her up from the dead. I, I don't know how many of you have had the... Uh, the experience, or have been on a journey to pray for the dead. I know that quite a few of you in here have. I've been with, with some. We've gone to some of the, you know, our dead raising team still gets calls from time to time, people saying, you know, pray for my loved one that just died. And we've gone to mortuaries, we've gone to um, morgues, uh, we've even gone to funeral homes, have been invited into funeral homes to pray for the dead. I don't know about you, but the journey on the way there is quite interesting. Each time that I've done this, it's a quite interesting journey, and each journey is different. But it's really an interesting journey to, to go on your way to actually lay hands upon a dead body 
and speak life to this dead body. It's an interesting journey. Uh, my journey, I can only say what my journey is, and my journey on the way uh, multiple times was the several things that are going on. And I'm seeing a vision in my mind, this eye, of this person, you know, waking up and breathing. You know, I'm seeing that going on. And then right at the heels of that, I'm hearing, this is stupid. What are you even doing? This is like crazy. You know, this is, why do this? At the same time, that is taking place. And this journey is going on into the kingdom. And there's this, uh, what, what can you say? It's like a process of thoughts that are happening while you're, stepping forward to move into the kingdom realm. And there's this process of thoughts that are going on. And you've got both thoughts. You've got the thoughts that a miracle is going to happen. And then you've got the thoughts that this is just a waste of time. These thoughts are going on inside of the mind. And it's what we need to combat. It's where we stand with the good fight of faith is to be able to recognize one is not of God and one is. And the one that is, is the one we stand on. And obviously, in this case, the one that is, is the one that raises the dead back to life. It's what we get to do. It's what Jesus said we can do. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, and guess what? It's all on the same level. It isn't like raising the dead is some higher level. It's all on the kingdom level. Because it's all kingdom language. And it's what we get to walk in. And it's like the faith of the woman. If I can just touch. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. So the beautiful thing is, is that the hem of his garment is living in us. Inward thoughts. Inward thoughts are going to connect us to the life source that we find in Jesus. It's all about what's going on inside here. It's not about the outside. Believe me, most of our experiences do not line up with reality of kingdom experiences. A lot of our experiences do not line up with that reality. And it's what we do with that experience that is going to change the outcome of what happens in the realm of the kingdom. If we entertain the experience of lack, we keep getting more lack. If we entertain the experience of the kingdom, we keep getting more things of the kingdom. It's just the nature of how the thought reproduces itself and how it recreates itself. Habakkuk says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, and no fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. The beauty of this is that you see an experience of someone, they've got no fruit on the vines, their livestock is suffering, their uh, uh, fig tree is withered. And it's just not happening. It's just the the harvest is not in. It's just not going right. Maybe it's like the mundane of life on this earth without the miraculous. Okay, but this is what's happening is he's writing this. He's saying, yet will I praise you? Yet will I trust you? And then he ascribes God to being his strength. 
And that's the core of the thoughts of walking in the kingdom as sons of God. The core is to ascribe to God the beauty and the nature of the revelation that he is good and that he loves humanity, that he has good purposes for us. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is, this is once again reflecting on the core God conviction that's inside of us, that when we come to him, that when we rest in him, we experience his easy burden. We experience that, that burden of ease. That we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That no experience can interrupt or interfere with our relationship and His relationship that He has towards us. It's a beautiful process of thoughts that we have inside of us. No experience can stop us. No experience can stop us. From being a son and daughter of God. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of peace. Because I I have yet to really see someone raised from the dead when I prayed for them to come back to life. But I have peace that I'm still a son of God. That I still get to ascribe to, to that place of the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven. At the same time, I've experienced... People getting healed multiple times just from laying hands on them and praying for them and believing for their healing. Don't discredit yourself. Come to Jesus. If you're heavy and you're weary and you're burdened and the experiences are getting you down, come to Jesus. Come to Him. Just approach Him in your thought life. Approach Him in your heart. Approach Him. And let him minister to you as a son and daughter of God. Let him refresh you. Let him give rest to your weary soul. (laughs) If you're listening to a lot of news today, come to Jesus and get some rest for your weary soul. Take my yoke upon you. Take my commandments to your heart. Take my commandments to your, to your thoughts. Take my yoke upon you. I, I love this because a yoke has two animals side by side working together. And he's just saying, hey, take my yoke on you. Church, arise and wake up and realize the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is around you. That we have the ability to fulfill the prayer of Jesus, to bring heaven here to earth, to bring God's will here to earth. The kingdom of God is within you. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him. And I'll close with this scripture that Mitch already read out of Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, 
He neither faints nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he increases strength. Feel a little weak lately? He increases your strength. (laughs) Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And that's us. We get to walk with Jesus. We get to take his yoke upon us. We get to be as he was on this earth, so are we. We get to do the greater things that he said we can do. Because his yoke is upon us. Can you all stand with me today? Father, it is such a good thing to know you and love you. It's such a good thing to be a son and a daughter. To know that we are united with you in the union that we have in Christ. It's such a good thing to know that you hear us and you listen to us and that you're not far from us, but you're ever close. I pray for strength on this house. I pray for strength for our nation. I pray for the strength to be able to stand as sons of God, that we will wait upon you to know that your strength is our bread and is our water and can be renewed by seeing you in our lives with that God connection that is deep within Bless this house. I thank you for this people, Lord. I thank you that you have raised us up for such a time as this. You have put us on this earth knowing that we are equipped to accomplish the task of your kingdom here on earth. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.